well, average morning. Would that, would that get a better response, I think? Uh, this is a great day. This is good. Before we jump into the sermon, just a, a couple of things that, that I want to do business-wise. One, I just want to say thank you for the incredible worship we get every single week here. Like, it is amazing, and we shouldn't take that for granted, that, that what they do to prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word is so incredibly valuable. I, I, I have a Bible and some paper, and they have all of this in all of the screen. Like, what they do to prepare our hearts is unbelievable, and we need to be grateful for Brett and this team and what they do every single week is, is really, really good. Um, a second thing to do, the first verse I ever memorized as a kid um, was not John 3.16. Uh, the first verse that I ever memorized was, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Um, so I want to say hello to my mom who's watching. And so, Mom, I honor you and I love you. Um, and so that's, that's for her. And then the third piece is this. Um, is today is my baby girl's birthday, and uh, uh, she's my baby girl, but she's she's 14. Oh man, I hate that. Um, that I love her, but but that's tough. And she's watching too. And so, happy birthday, Molly Joe. I love you, and uh, we will celebrate later today uh, with her and and her her life has made our lives so much better uh, to have her. So. Anyway, big day for, for us around our house and all of that. But it's also a big day for Joseph. And, and I want to, to take a second and understand the whole picture. We are, we are in the final stages of the journey that we're taking with him. It's a, it's a 10 week journey and here we are on week eight. There's two more to go and it gets good. I'm telling you, once you get past today, it's unbelievable. And so just hang in there today as we, as we jump into this. But last week, Mark walked us through Joseph being plucked out of prison and put in the presence of Pharaoh to where he he interpreted a dream for him in that. And and that's significant because of everything he had been through up until that point. For those that haven't been with us for the previous seven weeks, just a quick synopsis so you can catch this journey because nothing is wasted in God's economy. Nothing happens to us that God isn't fully aware of. Good, bad, painful God is aware. None of it catches him off guard. He's like, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. Like, there's never a plot twist with God because he's in charge. And when he's in charge, everything has purpose. And Joseph, as a 17-year-old teenager, had this dream. And this dream was pretty arrogant. My family will bow down to me. Like every teenager's dream. Like, my family will bow down to me. And and so that obviously made him feel pretty good about himself. And his dad gave him a special coat and, and said, you're my favorite. Like, all of this stuff. And all of his brothers, they're ticked off. Like They're like, no, 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 no. This is not how we're going to roll with this. And they began to plot to kill him. Like, we're just going to take him out. We'll never bow down to that guy because we're going to kill him. So they take him, they throw him in this pit, and they're trying to decide what to do about all that. And they decide, you know what, we can't make money with him being dead. Let's sell him, and we'll just make some money. And so they're looking for these traders to come through. Now, this dream he had said, you're going to have position and power, and people will bow down to you. This is going to be great. And he's in a pit. Like, his dream is not going the way he thought it was going to go. This is not the way that he would imagine this thing to roll out. Like, when do I get the, the crown? Like, this is, I had the dream, let's make it happen. And, and he ends up in this pit. And his brothers sell him. They sell him to these traders that happen to be headed towards Egypt, which put him one step closer to the palace. See, the, the palace is a place of position and power. And, and, and if the traders had been going the other direction, it takes them away. 
It wasn't a coincidence that they were headed towards Egypt. Then, as they take him down towards Egypt, and they're going to sell him and make some money off of him, who's going to buy him? There's literally an unknown amount of people that could have bought him. Who buys him? Potiphar buys him, who happens to be the head of the guard of Pharaoh. So he buys him up and says, You're be. that's one step closer to the palace. He's in that home now of someone who has ties to the palace. It's a man of significance in the community. But he starts having a little bit of success there and things are going pretty good. Then he's wrongly accused of a crime against Potiphar's wife and she's all upset. So Potiphar throws him in jail. Well, Potiphar, being the man that he was of, of the guard that was there, he now gets thrown into Pharaoh's prison, which happened to be underneath the palace, one step closer to the palace. And while he's there, he gets a couple of roommates. And they come in, and it's the, the, the cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh himself. They're now his roommates. One more step closer to the palace. They have dreams. He interprets their dreams. You're going to die. You're going to get your job back. Like, well, that's very good. Like, <laughs> and sure enough, three days later, what happens? The baker gets killed, and the cupbearer gets restored to his spot. And he goes back up to Pharaoh every single day. His roommate is now working for Pharaoh again, one step closer to the palace. Now he has to wait two more years. He's forgotten down there. Two more years pass, and Pharaoh has this weird dream. And the cupbearer's like, I remember a guy in prison. He's my roommate. He interprets dreams. What? Two years later. So now he pulls him out, shaves him, gets him all cleaned up. And now where is he? Inside the palace. Everything was one step closer to the palace. That's where he was. He interprets these dreams. Pharaoh's like, ah, this, this weird stuff, these weak things, we're eating these strong things, and how's all this happening? You can read it if you want to go back. It's pretty amazing. I just listened to Mark's message from last week. Good stuff. And he interprets it and says, we're about to have seven really good years, followed by seven really bad years. There's going to be a famine that's going to hurt everybody. This is not going to be good. And Pharaoh's like, okay, uh, if that's really the case, I need someone to oversee this stuff. Why don't you... Why don't you become second in command? What? He's in his 30s at this point. What started as a 17-year-old is now in his 30s. This dream that God gave him is all these years later with a whole lot of bad things that went on. A whole lot of negative things, negative things that went on. And, and the second half of his dream, the first half is coming true. He has power. He has position. The second half of his dream of his family bowing down to him will take another seven plus years before that happens. Like the patience is incredible. And you're going to hear that story, not today, but it's good. But, but it happened over a long period of time. This wasn't immediate, immediate, immediate. And, and we are an instant gratification culture is what we've gotten to. We stand at the microwave. Hurry up. Like we are frustrated. If, it, if it's not as fast as Chick-fil-A, then we don't go through the line. Right. I mean, we are committed to the speed that Chick-fil-A does that. Anybody else? So this is where we, and Joseph is waiting all of these years now to get to this point where he's in this position that's there, which reminds us Philippians 1, 6. We are confident that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. He, God, who began a good work, you will be faithful to complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. You are his good work. And he is faithful to complete what he started. And he started every one of us and he started Joseph with that. That means it will be done in God's time and not our time. It will be done in God's way and not our way. And that's hard for me to be honest with you because when things happen that aren't fair, I don't like it. But God's still moving. 
God's still doing things to get us closer to where he wants us to be. Now, it may not be second in command of an entire nation, but it will be more like Jesus. Because that's the goal. The goal isn't to give you power, control. It's to make you more like Jesus. And it takes work to get there. Joseph was hated and rejected by his family. He lived as a slave. Like that's, that's, he thought he was going to get power and position and he's thrown in a pit, sold as a slave, sold again as a slave. This is rock bottom. This is going to be terrible for me until it wasn't when he was thrown in prison. And now he's a slave in prison underneath the palace. There's rock bottom. And then in an instant, God changed everything. He changed all of it that was there because he was finally ready to be in the position that God was getting him ready for. He wasn't ready at 18. Lord, help us if 18-year-olds get put in that position. Lord, help us if others get put in that position. Thank you for God being sovereign. And, and he was ready to be in the position that God wanted him to be in, but I am amazed at what he had to go through to get there. It's nice to read somebody else's story about what they have to go through. I just don't want to live it. I'm thinking if, if the scriptures were written and I was the one in that spot, there would be a whole lot of verses about how much I whined and complained and cursed God and told him how bad he was because he doesn't know what's best and I know what's best and let me have control. That's what would have to be written in the scriptures because I know me and I know how I would have responded because this isn't fair. You gave me a dream. You told me this was going to happen. You told me this was going to be great. And look at all the things that went on. This is horrible, God. You don't love me. You don't care about me. I think if I would have gotten to Potiphar's house, if I had made it that long, give me a little bit of power there, I would have used it for my purposes. I would have taken advantage of situations. I've been through enough. I'm owed this. But God is always working on his good work. You are his masterpiece, is what scripture says. That's what we were created for. And he will not stop until it's complete. So that gets us to the point of today. This is where Joseph is today, and it's where we are today. And, and these years and years apart of when these stories happen, your story and his story, they're still relevant today. And what we can learn today will make sense in 2020, even though it happened all these years ago. So if you have your Bible, Genesis 41, we're going to pick up the story. We get three verses. Three verses today is what we get. It's like the loaves and fishes, man. It's going to feed a lot. It ain't much, but it's going to feed a lot. So get ready to eat on this. Genesis 41, we're going to start in verse 50. 50 through 52 is where we're going to be. said this, before the years of famine came. Now remember, that's that's the dream that he interpreted for Pharaoh. There's going to be seven great years followed by seven really bad years of famine. So prepare for what's going to happen in all of that, and this is the time frame we're in. Before the years of famine came, so during the seven good years, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So in those three verses, we get to learn that Joseph had two kids in less than seven years. Awesome. Like, that, what is that? I, who cares? Like, what is that? Why did God put that in the Bible? What does it matter that we get these two sons being born during these seven years? That seems insignificant. But it's not about the sons being born that's significant. I think it's letting us know what he named them and the significance that comes with that. Names carry a lot of significance in Scripture. And so he's revealing to us what was on Joseph's mind when he had these boys. 
How was his life impacted in what he was going to call his sons? Like we get a little glimpse into his thinking for this. So son number one, he names Manasseh, which means forget. What a blessing of a name. I love you, forget. Like how is that encouraging to your kid? Hey man, I just love you so much, I just, just forget. It seems like it would be bad. Forget what? He tells us in the, in the scripture, God made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. God made me forget. He has this son. A new generation is starting. The old has gone. The new has come. And I need to forget. I need to forget these troubles. I need to forget. He didn't go to a memory loss class. He didn't take some drug that would make him forget. He didn't go to men in black. He didn't do that. God did it. He couldn't will himself into forgetting. Have you ever tried to forget something? Then all you do is think about it. You know, you've been there. And we have triggers for things that get us. And here he was. God made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. God made him forget the trials and the horrible things that were done to him and the things that were said about him. And not only that, God made him forget those that had done it to him. Like, wait a minute. No, he didn't. That's his family. Those are his brothers. He didn't forget them. No, he didn't forget their names. You'll see that here in the next couple of weeks. He doesn't forget who they are. God allowed him to forget what they had done, and that was no longer what their identity was. Their identity was not the brothers that hurt him. Their identity becomes the brothers that need him. And you'll see that coming in the next weeks. And so this is, this is where he is. So he didn't forget who they were, but God allowed him to forget the hurt and the pain that was there and the people that caused it. How do you do that? Well, the easier answer is to say, well, God did it. But how does God do that? There's one big key to that. It's called forgiveness. Forgiveness is the key to forgetfulness. And forgiveness, by definition to me, how I define forgiveness is this. Giving up all hope of ever having a better past. Giving up all hope of ever having a better past. Joseph cannot change what happened to him. He can't get in the time travel machine and go back and get a redo. He doesn't get that. So he has to give up all hope of it ever not happening. It happened. We can't change it. Our pasts are our past. They are part of our story. We can't change it. Whether it's things that we did or things that were done to us or things that were done around us, it doesn't matter. We can't change it. We can't go back in time and do it. And forgiveness is the ability to give up all hope of ever having a better past. So now you don't. Now, the second part of that, too, forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. You give yourself the gift of forget. What are you talking about? Because it's not on the person that you're forgiving. It's, it's not on them. It's the ability for you to say, I'm not going to let you have preeminence in my brain anymore. I'm not going to let what you did be the forefront of everything. I'm not going to let it be the filter for every decision I make. I'm not going to let it be the filter for every relationship I have. I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to move it to the back burner and eventually out of my head because what you did is not going to dominate me. I'm putting it on God. I'm letting him take it. He will help me forget. That's important. He separated those things out. Now, at this point, I believe that we get to see what I'm calling the invisible fruit of the Spirit. It's the invisible fruit. And we have the, the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's um, you know the song. Love, joy, peace, peace. That's the only way I can remember them all. 
I see you, Jason. I see you, Huggies. You know the song. Uh, we do. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace. Okay. Sorry. I told you I'm still a child. But, but we have that. But there's another one that we, we think is a vegetable, but it's really, it's like an avocado. You think it's a vegetable. It is a fruit. And it's an important fruit. And that's what I believe is the invisible fruit of the Spirit is forgetfulness. It's not listed, but forgetfulness is a gift that God gives us. He enables us to forget that's there because he knows that we're going to have trouble. Jesus said it himself, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we know that trouble is coming, and he allows us this gift of forgetfulness to not have to dwell on that. What did Joseph have to forget? Let's rewind again and look at that. He had to forget his mom's death. And the pain that that caused, his brother's hatred towards him, the loneliness that he had, whether it was in the well or in the prison or anywhere else that he was at, the betrayal of lots of people that he trusted, abandonment, separation from his dad. He was taken from his dad and didn't see him for many years. The fear that came in, the depression that came in, the false charges that were thrown at him that got him put in prison. What about doubt? He had to forget the doubt. How many times did he question whether God was really for him? How many times did he wonder, why did you fail me, God? Because if you were God, this wouldn't happen to me. How many times have I said that? God, if you really loved me, this wouldn't happen. No, it's because he loves us, he allows those things to happen. Until Joseph could put those things behind him, he could not move forward. Until he would have that gift of forgetfulness, he could not move forward because he would stay stuck where he is. We are even challenged in the New Testament, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Paul, who had significant issues in his life too, said this. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I am not there. I am a work in progress. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal that, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind. Paul had to do that. He had to forget what he had done in his past. He had to forget the struggles. He had to forget the, 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 the shame. He had to forget the regret. He had to forget the mistakes. Because that's not who he was. It's what he did. And now he is a, a new person. He had this blinding light experience on the road to Damascus. And he says, now, I don't got it all there yet, but I'm not what I was. And I will forget what is behind me. I'm not going to let that define me. It may refine me, but it's not going to define me. And he's moving forward, forgetting what is behind and straining. It's not easy. He's straining for what is ahead. So he can win the prize that God's called him heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetfulness is not a sin. It's a fruit. Unless it's your anniversary. Then it's a sin. Then it's the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not forget thy anniversary. That will get you in trouble. My question is, what do you need to forget that's behind you? What hurt, pain, betrayal, issue, problem do you need to have God enable you to forget? Only you know that. I don't know your story. God knows your story. He was right there every single second of it. He never turned his back on you, even when we turned it back on him. Even when the choices were made and the things that happened and the hurt was there and the betrayal or the issue or the pain, all of that God was there. What does he enable, need to enable you to forget? Where have we allowed our pain to be greater than our God? Where have we allowed our fear to be greater than our God? 
Because that's just not right. There is nothing that's greater than our God. What do we need to let go of that's keeping us from moving forward? I think for some, we don't want to forget. We want to hang on to it. For several reasons. One of them maybe is because if, if we forget, then it lessens what they did to me. It lessens what happened. That's just not true. That's a lie from the enemy. When, when we choose to forget, it doesn't lessen what they did. It gives freedom for God to heal. It gives freedom for you to move forward. It gives hope where there was hurt. That's what that does. That's just the reality of who God is and what he does. I, I think sometimes we don't want to forget because we enjoy hanging on as a victim. Because we've let that become our identity. And that's not who you are. You are a child of God, bought with a price, which was the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's who you are. You're not defined by those things. We've got to be willing to forget. Even Jesus himself, like on the cross, while he's suffering the pain of what those people did to him to put him on the cross, in that moment he still said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forget what they did so they can remember what I did. Forget what they've done so we can remember what Jesus has done. I mean, he says, I've thrown your sins as far as the east is from the west. I remember them no more. I mean, that's, that's, if he does that, if he's modeling it for us, we should too. I, I know that in counseling, when, when Amy and I were in counseling there was a statement that was made that has stuck with me for years, and, and, and I think it's applicable to where we are right now and where Joseph is. said this, our counselor said, pain that is not transformed will be transmitted. Pain that is not transformed will be transmitted. It will be put on the people that probably try to love us the most. And we end up hurting those that are trying to love us because we let our hurt be transmitted instead of transformed. And we drag that stuff into relationships. We drag that stuff and we label other people because of what others have done to us, not them. And that's not okay. That's division. God can and wants to help us, but he can't get us where we need to go if we choose to hang on to the past. You, you put a marker in the ground not so you can stay there, but so you can move on from there. You don't put a marker to get stuck. You put a marker to move on. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. It starts with your mind. It's a choice that you make. God enables you to forget. And we don't conform to the pattern of this world. We don't repeat those things that we see in the world. Why? Because we're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Before God changes your circumstances, he changes your mind. Before God changes your relationships, he changes your mind. Before God changes your job, he changes your mind. God is in the transformation business. He wants to transform your mind. We must ask him to help us forget. Then he had a second son. He named him Ephraim, it says, which means fruitful or doubly fruitful, depending on on who is interpreting his name, whatever. Doubly fruitful, why? God made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. 
This new season is here. We are in the land of plenty right now. We are in the seven years of plenty. Good things happening, man. All kinds of great stuff is gone. And, and, and his life is, is completely different. He is no longer the abused little brother. He's no longer the accused slave. He's no longer the forgotten prisoner. He is the prime minister of Egypt. He is not defined by his past, but he's been refined by his past to be who God created him to be for that time. To be put in the position as prime minister. He had power. He was married. He got a wife now. Seven years of plenty. And now these two young sons. Manasseh and Ephraim. And he's a dad. And new things are coming. Right? But Ephraim was born second. That's not an accident. That Ephraim was born second. Why? Fruitful shows up after forgetful. There's an order for that on purpose. Joseph had captured his memories. And if we're not careful, our memories will capture us. And that's not supposed to be how, how it is. God did not create us for that. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In, in the verse before it says, We have divine powers to demolish these strongholds. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. We wage war with the, the weapons of heaven. And we have the ability to demolish these arguments and pretensions that go against what God says because we have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's what Joseph did. He captured his thoughts instead of his thoughts capturing him. That's what sets us up for fruitfulness. Here's a question. I think I've asked you guys this before. But what if the thing that you're asking God to change is the very thing he's using to change you? Have you considered that? What if the thing that you so badly say, God, I want you to change this, I want you to get rid of this, I want you to make it different, whatever that thing is, what if that's the very thing he's using to change you? Well, I don't like it because it doesn't feel good. God's not into your feelings. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to be like him. How many times have I been frustrated by saying, God, give me fruit in my life. Give me fruit in my life. Example. And my mom can testify to this if she wants to leave a comment. When I was a kid, the rule in our house, I'm still a kid. When I was younger, the rule in our house was you don't get dessert until you've eaten your dinner. Anybody else have that rule in your house growing up? Yeah, there's several people. Right, so that was the rule on that. I, as I've gotten older, I've gotten selfish on that and eat dessert first. You're guaranteed to have room for it that way. Um, but at our house, that's, that's not what happened. Maybe, maybe the reason I'm not getting the fruit that I want is because I haven't eaten what's already been put in front of me by God. Maybe that avocado that's sitting in front of me and God says, you need to eat the fruit of forgetfulness before I can give you the rest of the fruit. You're not ready to eat anything else until you eat what I've already given you. I'm giving you this gift of forgetfulness so you don't have to live in the past. You don't have to be defined by those things. That's not who you are. It's what happened to you. Eat the fruit of forgetfulness so I can bring all the other fruit to you. That doesn't feel very good, though. That hurts. I don't. Give me some lime juice and tomatoes. Let's make it guacamole. He was fruitful in the land of his suffering. But his geography didn't change. 
he was still in the same place. He was fruitful in the land of his suffering. His geography didn't change. His mind did. He was transformed. God was transforming him. God never promises to change our situation, but to use our situations for our good. He's moving us closer to him. He's moving us closer to where he wants us to be. Just like Joseph, all those things that we saw were negative things. He was moving him one step closer to the palace. But if he didn't go through all these things, he wouldn't have been ready for the palace. God is using all of these things to prepare us for what he has for us. James 1, 2 through 4 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Now, consider is something you have to take time to think about. When you consider something, it's not a passing thought. It's not a quick scroll on your phone. It's intentional time spent. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God has a plan. It's for your good. It's not for your bad. But bad will come to get you to the good because we live in a broken world. But God is sovereign and he loves us enough to tell us and challenge us to consider, to think about this. Take time to consider this. Pure joy when you face these trials. And not only that, it says in Romans 5, 3, and 4, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We get fired up about it. We want to tell people about No, I don't. I want to keep everything a secret. I'm only putting on social media the best parts of me. I'm only letting you see my highlights. I'm not letting you see the stuff that's on the editing floor. But he says, not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Why would we rejoice in these things? Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Don't we want hope? You think Joseph didn't want hope when he was facing all these things? But it takes time to get there. The hope is coming. We rejoice in the suffering because we know it's not forever. Because the hope we have is in Jesus, not in our situation. And then we move to Romans 8.28, which says, And we know that in all things, all things, rejection, betrayal, disappointment, hurt, jealousy, wrong accusations, stuck in prison, being forgotten, we know that all things God works for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The hope we have is because we have a good God. The hope we have is because he's working something in us that's going to be better than we could ever be on our own. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. This is challenging. Our perspective has to be bigger than this place. We weren't created for this place. We were created for greater. We were created for infinity and beyond. Like, that's what we're created for. We're created for heaven. We're created for not this planet, but that one. We get through this day because that day is coming. All things work to the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Are we willing to walk that out? The best is yet to come for Joseph, and you'll see that in the next two weeks. Don't miss it. But the best is yet to come for us. Don't miss it. What do you need to forget so you can enjoy the fruit that God has for you? I just want to pray over us. And and Brett's going to come, and you have a chance to kind of think this through. And my challenge to you is this. Don't, don't, don't make this like a microwave meal. That just 30 seconds, you're done with it. Let this sit in your crock pot for a while. 
Let this stir in your brain and let God challenge you because I recognize that some of the things I said may have triggered some things in your past and that doesn't feel very good. I don't apologize for that because I think God wants to deal with that stuff, even if we don't. And I think when we're willing to walk through that and, and learn to eat the fruit of forgetfulness so we can enjoy the fruitfulness that's coming, man, the best is yet to come and it's worth it. And so I just want to pray over us that we would position ourselves to hear and obey. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you love us so much that you allow us to go through things that will refine us, that will, that will scrape off the rough edges, that will burn off the things that don't glorify you, that, that we would look more like you. God, I thank you for a guy like Joseph who didn't just come out entitled, get a robe on and then become king. But man, he went through the ringer. And as a result of it, he was able to eat the fruit of forgetfulness and enjoy the fruitfulness that came as a result. God, help me to do that. Help us to do that so that we can be everything you created us to be. You promise that you started a good work and you'll be faithful to complete it. And I pray that that each of us would remember that we are your good work and there's still work to do so we can be complete and mature, lacking nothing. For your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is your chance to respond. A song's going to be sung. You're not obligated to sing it. Um, You're obligated to respond somehow. And if you want to come to the altar and pray, that's great. If you want to grab some family and pray, if you need to, to grab someone and ask forgiveness, do that. Or maybe you need to give forgiveness. I don't know what it is, but I'm asking you to consider and respond.